if unless you've you know just been a total hermit, you know that Israel is at war. And there's you hear a lot said about it. A lot of people have opinions about it, um, and it's it's stirred my heart. So I want to take a few minutes before our special guests come, and talk a little bit and try to give some context about who is Israel. Where did they come from? How come this place, the size, the landmass of like New Jersey, is on everybody's radar? Why are we so focused on this? Perennially. And what I really would like to try to keep from happening is people saying, yes, what Hamas has done is horrific, but there's no but. This is heinous crime. It's evil. Wickedness at its core. Israel is made up of human beings. Read the Old Testament. God is constantly chastising them for their apostasy. You know, they're in and out. They're up and down like us, like the rest of humanity. But they are God's chosen people. That will never change. In a sense, of course, we, through faith in Christ, are also his chosen people. But the nation Israel is the one that brought us the word of God, that specific revelation of God through their, through their prophets. God breathed on them and they wrote it down. This is the eternal word of God. They also are the progenitors of the Savior of the world. So let's not diss this nation that God has used because he does not. Them. And let me, I just wrote down a few random thoughts here. I'll try to, try to, um, you know, do it in a meaningful way. But first of all, we need to realize that Israel is not at war with the Palestinians. I, many of us were there last spring, and, and we saw them living side by side um, in, in a very, uh, many of them just in a very friendly way. When we went to the West Bank, we saw these big red signs saying, enter at your own risk, you know, uh, you know, threatening life and limb if you come there. But in Israel, the municipality of Israel was putting up signs welcoming those that were going to celebrate Ramadan. That's, that's kind of the different tenor and attitude that goes on there. It's not the Palestinians that are the problem. It's the terrorists like Hamas. Let's uh, show this slide. That's, I always like, I love history and I like to try to get back to the beginning of things. After the deluge, global flood as recorded in all those sedimentary layers of the earth, you have three sons of Noah, Japheth the oldest, then Shem, and then Ham. And after the Tower of Babel, they ended up populating these areas. This is Turkey here, uh, Egypt down here, uh, you know, Arabia uh, here. And Shem, from which we get the word Semite, populated this area until 
Abraham of Ur of the Chaldeans was called by God to go to a land he didn't, he didn't knew nothing about. And God brought him into what is referred to as Canaan's land. Canaan is the son of Ham. Emmer, Canaan's fourth son, is where we get the word Amorites. And God told Abraham that your people will be a stranger in a strange land for 400 years until the iniquity of the Amorites is complete. So history records Egypt really grew into a critical mass, mostly as slaves in Egypt, while the wickedness of the Amorites came to a place where they were beyond repentance, and then God said, I'm going to displace them with you, Israel. There are no Canaanites today. We don't know of any descendants of the Canaanites today. This happened about in the 12th century B.C. About the same time, uh, a group from Crete, the, the island of Crete, uh, offspring of Japheth, colonized here on the coast of the Holy Land called Philistines. Philistines, a maritime people from Japheth, his line not to be confused with Palestinians. Completely different people group. They arrived in about the 12th century B.C. as well. Nebuchadnezzar, you study the Bible, you, you know he is uh, king of Babylon. He came in the 6th century B.C. and took care of Israel took them captive just as Jeremiah the prophet said they would because of their unbelief. Again, God had to take them to the woodshed quite a bit. They're not perfect people. And he burned Jerusalem and took them captive. And the Philistines are heard of no more. They just disappear. He also went to battle against them and they just dissipated. They melted into oblivion. There are no, no one can trace their ancestry to the Philistines today since that 6th century BC. Then in AD 70, Rome lays siege after three years and in AD 70, the Roman general Titus breaks through Jerusalem and Many are killed, others are led into slavery, some kind of disappear into the hills of Judea. And the Romans changed the name of the land from Judea, which it was initially referred to as, to Palestina. It was to snub Israel, taking their old enemy's name, Philistines. This is the land of the Philistines. And that's when it became recognized basically throughout the Roman Empire as Palestine or Palestine. In the 6th century AD, 
the descendants of Ishmael. Who is Ishmael? He was the son of Abraham through his handmaiden, Egyptian handmaiden, his wife's handmaiden, Hagar, who settled to the east. And he had a descendant named Mohammed. And in the 6th century A.D., Muhammad took texts from the Old Testament and texts from the New Testament because both Jews and Christians lived in Arabia, in that area to the east. And he changed the story. He said, no, Ishmael was the promised child. And, and, he just, and, and Jesus is not the son of God. He's just a prophet of God. He just tweaked it. And Islam was born. And at that same time, 6th century, they built the Dome of the Rock in, in Jerusalem. The famous, you see it today with the golden top. The reason it's sacred, because that's the place where they said Muhammad flew to heaven on a horse. In the latter part of the 19th century, there was a, a Zionist movement of Jews desiring to get back to their homeland. Ottomans owned and, and operated it at that time. And the Jews humbly came and said, we'd like to buy some of this swampland. And they, and they allowed them to come back in and take that swampland to the northern part of Israel and purchase it. And thus began the Zionist movement. They took the swamp land, of course, and then they drained it. And like what they do with so much, it became a garden, a breadbasket. During World War I, Britain became the custodians of this disputed area. And after World War II, the UN voted to recognize Israel as a sovereign nation in their homeland. May 14, 1948. Though terrorist groups consider them occupiers, they've been there longer than anybody else and have claims to the land more secure than anyone else, more valid. Yet they are willing to share it with the Palestinians. In 1967, Syria to the north, Jordan to the east, and Egypt from the south staged a surprise attack on Israel. It's, it's known as the Six-Day War. Who's ever heard of a Six-Day War? I think of Vietnam. I think of that other place that we were for a while. We don't know how to do a Six-Day War. This was the God thing. And let me just say, this was before the U.S. came and supported Israel militarily. In six days, they took, Israel took the Golan Heights to the north. They wrested control of, of Jerusalem from Jordan. And they took the entire Sinai Peninsula from Egypt. Is there a God or not? That's a God thing. The Six-Day War. Then in 1973, Syria to the north, Egypt to the south, with a coalition of Muslim states, staged another surprise attack. 
They had initial gains from the north and the south, but very quickly they were pushed back. And when, they, when Israel was 62 miles outside of Cairo, they were able to sign a peace agreement. And, and what did Israel do to make peace? Even though they were on the move and they were advancing in both fronts, it gave Israel back the Sinai Peninsula. Sought peace. In the year 2000, President Clinton at Camp David had Ehud Barak, the Prime Minister of Egypt, uh, excuse me, Israel, and um, Yasser Arafat, leader of the PLO, the Palestinian Liberation Organization, meet to see if they could hammer out a peace agreement. And Barak, the Prime Minister of Israel, gave every concession that Yasser Arafat was demanding virtually, even to the point of saying, we will recognize Palestine as a state, as as a sovereign people. But Yasser Arafat said, I cannot sign this agreement because in it, I also have to agree that Israel is a sovereign state. And he said, my life won't be worth anything If I do that, I will be martyred. And so even though Israel was willing to make all these concessions and live with the Palestinians as as an independent state in this contested area, PLA turned it down. Let me just say, again, remind you, it's, it's not the Palestinians that Israel is at war in with this most recent surprise attack. It's the terrorists, and Hamas in particular. The the only thing that will satisfy them is to wipe Israel from the map. Mahmoud Ahmadinejad, the past president of Iran, said, we are going to drive Israel into uh, into the sea. That's, the, that's their mandate. That's the only thing that will satisfy them. Remember that when you hear, yeah, it was horrendous, but, and then they try to justify the, the burning and beheading of children, infants, the murdering of children and, and the ravaging of, of the women and the elderly taken as hostages. There is no but. We wrestle, Paul tells the Ephesians, not against flesh and blood, but against these spiritual forces of wickedness. Whose fingerprints are on this, as my wife often says? Where can we trace the origin of this kind of thinking, this anti-Semitism? And by the way, uh, though Shem is where we get the word Semite. Today, that word basically just refers to this common language group. When we talk about Semites as a people group, we're only talking about Israel. 
And anti-Semitism is the hatred of Israel. Where did that come from? Why can't we get beyond that? Why are they the most persecuted people group who have ever lived? No other people group comes even close. They have been slated for annihilation again and again throughout their history. What, why? What, why picking on these people? They, they, the land that they, they, that they uh, believe has been promised to them by God has no real natural resources. It's just arid land. It's the people. Why the hatred? We, just, we need to look at Revelation 12. It talks about this great red dragon that is harassing the woman in the wilderness. The great red dragon in verse 9 says, this is the serpent of old. This is Satan himself. And the woman, through symbols, is very clearly Israel. Harassed before Christ, harassed at the time of Christ, and has been harassed ever since by demonic forces. We are called as people of God to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Hamas has not done the Palestinian people any favors. Israel has a right to defend herself, to, to secure her borders, and to push back in an attempt to try to keep this from happening chronically. The Lord speaking in number six, beginning in verse 23, says this, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. We take that as our own blessing, right? We love that blessing from the word of God. But it is initially and foremost for the house of Israel. That's the way God views Israel. So who are we? To want to minimize their right to exist and their right to flourish safely in, on the earth. They will one day live securely, not just from Dan to Beersheba. David and Solomon were able to get that going. Solomon had 40 years of just bliss. It was the golden age of Israel. But God said the land that he promised them was from the river Euphrates to the river Nile. And they shall live there. How do I know? Because God said so. It's a promise of God. Personally, I don't think it will be before the millennial reign of Christ, but it will be. In Christ himself, it says, during the millennial reign, we'll rule from Jerusalem for a thousand years. Man, that's when we want to take a tour to Jerusalem. Anyway, thank you for hearing me out. I just, it's on my heart. There's a lot of confusion about that. Calvary Chapel Eastside, the elders, the leaders here, we stand with Israel.
Lord, we, we just want to try to understand um, what's going on here. It's confusing. We hate to see people hurt. The, the most popular verse in the Bible, it begins, for God so loved the world. You take no pleasure in the death even of the wicked, but that the wicked would turn and live. We pray for Hamas. We pray for the Palestinian people. You would watch over them, Lord, and draw them to yourself. And we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for your chosen people there, the ones who brought us your eternal word and the ones through whom we have the Messiah, Jesus Christ. We thank you for them. Pray that you would turn their hearts to Christ as well. That they wouldn't set a place for Eli at their Passover meals anymore, but they would realize he came in the person, in the spirit and power of Elijah. John the Baptist came that way. And Jesus is their Messiah. And I take comfort from Zechariah 12, verse 10, where it says that one day the house of David, Israel, will look upon the one whom they have pierced and mourn for him as for an only son. And we will see the nation, the critical mass of Israel come to faith in Christ. I also believe in that because this is what I read in your word. You've not forgotten Israel. You're not done with Israel. But use us for your glory, Lord. I, spare, I just want to also pray a special blessing on our special guest. In Jesus' name, amen.